0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a President's Day edition, and Monday night edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, alongside LaVax. LaVax? LaVax. Lavos, Lavos. I don't know, close enough. De los Houston Tros, the Houston Texans. That's Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how are you doing? You're coming off a Friday night win, so to speak, in the... boots versus troops
1: oh yeah boots that was and fun softball how'd that go that was fun uh the boots for troops deal they really do a lot of great things for veterans who are out there and need care packages and things like that and i just agreed to be a third base coach i had no idea what i was getting myself into i was on pendergast <laughs> team said, yes and there was a lot of pressure these guys were really yeah, into yeah. this okay i was yeah. on the veterans team and landry locker was the manager of the civilians and he was coaching first I guess for them Mm -hmm. you know in college baseball don't a lot of college baseball coaches coach third yeah that was my experience at at levels like central Michigan UMass and I was there the the head man always wanted to be standing there at third base
0: certain cases Skip Burtman didn't Skip Burtman had Smoke Laval who was oh, his yeah. third-base coach,
1: and then Skip was in the yeah, dugout. Yeah, those guys are good. Those guys were good, yeah. man. I actually did some games featuring those guys at LSU. Anyway, uh, that was fun, though, I'm waving them home. And, mm-hmm. you know, they would kind of count on me after a while. Right. It was weird. I was like, <laughs> guys, I don't know. Use your judgment. What could possibly go wrong? You know, you don't want the veterans to lose, man. No, and they, no. They walked. They really pulled away in the later innings. It was a lot of fun up there in Tomball, that great facility they have. And it was cold, but it was great. And excellent to say hello to everybody out there we have so many listeners and fans who are out there and everywhere in the city it's just great to get out and about and hear some of the love for the D'Amico hire the excitement for 2023 and beyond it's great
0: and on that note D'Amico will be joining us Wednesday Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. head coach D'Amico Ryan circle your calendars the 22nd of February we will have D'Amico Ryans on with Mark and myself I'm looking forward to that because I've never met D'Amico that's amazing. I know. I never it's met, Amazing. I, I never never met Domenico. Haven't seen him in a building, but I did. I did see Gerard Johnson today. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was cool. He was uh, he was upstairs getting some uh, HR work done, and happened to see him there. And I was like, "That's Gerard." So yeah. it was cool to see him. And see, I in the cafeteria see two, later. So. Two
1: doors down from HR, right. so, so you see everybody. Mm-hmm. They all go in there everybody. because everybody. The HR people are important <laughs> to people's lives. They are so. very, very important
0: to people's lives. There's no uh, no question about that. I want to get your thoughts. I want to get into an article that I wrote last Friday dealing with changes in the AFC. It's pretty remarkable. I want to get into that a little bit, especially in the AFC South. But XFL started this weekend, and I didn't watch all of it. I watched some of it. I didn't get too much into it. But I know the one piece that got my attention the most because I have been 100% in favor of this because I cringe every time there's an outside kick. I cringe, not because I know a team's not going to uh, recover it or not recover it or what. And none of that. The collisions that happen on an onside kick are brutal. Mm. And so I've always looked and what, like, what else could they do? Well, the XFL came up with this. And I think it may have been somewhere else came up with it first. They came up with fourth and 15 as an onside yep. kick. Yep. From your what, 25 or 20 yeah. or something like that. 20 or 25. Can't remember what it was. A.J. McCarron pulled it off, yep. playing quarterback for the St. Louis Battle Hawks, I believe it was. Yep. They were down, scored. They decided to go for an onside kick, and I say that in air quotes, fourth and 15. You convert the fourth and 15. You just keep going. If you don't, the ball turns over at that point to the defense, and you're probably cooked at that point because the ball's at the 20 or 25 because it's just an incomplete pass or wherever they tackle you. But they got it, and they went down and scored and ended up winning that football game.
1: Your thoughts on 4th and 15? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I I don't like it, Johnny. I'm on the record saying I don't like the 4th and 15. I know it's exciting. You know when I like it? When it's somebody else playing football and not Mm -hmm. the Houston Texans. When it's my team playing. And let's just say you've done a great job all day. Mm -hmm. But Mahomes and the Chiefs get a late touchdown against you. Right? That guy. Yeah, they get down the field, they score, your defense is gassed, you've worked hard to try to slow them down, you have the lead, and now when you should be lining up for their onside kick attempt, mm-hmm. which has what, like a 10 to 15% chance? If tops. Yeah, tops. Now you've got Patrick Mahomes against a tired defense on 4th mm-hmm. and 15 from his 25. Here yeah. it is, it's the 25-yard line, not the 20. I would be more in favor of it if it was from your 10 or 15. Oh. Ooh, ooh. Much more. Mm. But at the twenty-five, let's say they get it. Now they got it at the forty minimum. Minimum. All minimum. right. 40, 45 mm-hmm. minimum. And you're a throwaway from field goal range or a Hail Mary. You're right in Hail Mary range yeah. already. Yeah. Don't like it one little bit, Johnny. Yeah. Onside kick. I don't I know what you're saying, and it's low percentage. I'd love to see something a little higher percentage, but mm-hmm. I don't want to give them an automatic spot on fourth and 15, where if they convert it, they're already within a play of being in range. Now, look, if you make it the 10 yard line and you convert and you're at the 30, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're within a play as well, but it's a longer play. It's a lower percentage chance to win the game. How about this onside kick or you get fourth and 15 from your 10 yard line as an option. So you can either try the onside kick, which you never will, uh, but you have the fourth and 15 option from your 10 or maybe 15 if I'm being generous.
0: I would take the fourth and fifteen. And I think part of this is colored by our experience in some sense. Like you said, if we were Kansas City, if we were in Kansas City doing Chiefs radio, we'd love we it. We would love it because fourth and fifteen, absolutely, we can fix a lot of things that went wrong in that game with one play. Mm-hmm. And is away that, we go. Is that
1: right? Is that right? That. You get to have the ball back. Look, fourth and fifteen is not a high percentage play. No, we all not. know it. But when you have Mahomes, well, hold on now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you have a guy like Mahomes, you feel like, hey, this is uh, you know this is a coin flip now. I look, if the the rate would not be fifty percent conversions. It's correct, not. but. In the it sure context, wouldn't be 10%, though. But in the context of a particular game where your defense is tired and somebody's dealing, because they just scored on you in this context. Yep. They just scored on you. Now you get a fourth and 15. Hey, the Texans have had some games in the last couple of years where you know you backdoor your way into a one-score game, right? Sure. Looks prettier on the scoreboard, but now instead of onside kick, low probability at fourth and 15, not mm-hmm. that you're going to make it, but you might have. Yeah. You know, things might have played Maybe. out differently. I think it I think we will get it because the onside kick, they'll talk about injuries and this is too brutal a play, blah, blah, blah. They'll get some version of fourth and fifteen. Fourth and twenty, how about that? I that was I was
0: gonna suggest that. Fourth and twenty uh, is boy, fourth and twenty is tough to get. Then again. They're all tough to get. And then again, we got fourth and thirteen and we got fourth and twenty.
2: Fourth <laughs> um, and back 20, to baby. back, fourth down. Davis Mills, your fourth and twenty <laughs> expert.
0: Rodney Thomas. Uh, I have words for you. But, but uh, okay. Anyways um on that note, I happen to see this today. I didn't think about uh this wait 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 coming one, up in conversation second.
1: before you get to that okay what about the go for three yes or no on go oh, for I three? Did, I didn't see the go for three from the ten yard no line. I don't like that I don't like go for three you don't want it? i don't want go for three
0: no 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 down the fourth nine. And, the fourth and fifteen I can live with down three the go for three uh, yeah i don't I don't like that i crazy as it sounds mm-hmm I would actually feel better, especially if I've got a quarterback, I mean, like Mahomes or somebody of that ilk, or a Burrow or something like that. I'd much rather have more space and move the ball out to the 10 as I would at the two yard line. I know the two yard line sounds easy. I'm like, oh, it's easy. And then it's not. If you're gonna throw it, there's no room. There's no room. I mean, it's gotta be exact. It's gotta be right now. It's it's tough. I'd much rather, if I've got a quarterback of that ilk, I'd much rather move that thing back to the 10. I got room to move now. I can still hit my I can still hit my seam routes if they're gonna play cover three back there. I feel like I can still I feel better about going for it from the ten yard line than I do
1: for the two yard line. I think go for three if you put it at the fifteen or the twenty, why not? Yeah, that's Let, ten, let's go there for ten a ten yard
0: line. That's what I'm saying. The ten yard line I think is easy
1: not easy, but it's easier right than it is from the two or the five. Let's say you're down eighteen. Mm-hmm. Let's just go there. You're down oh, eighteen. You're down two scores. You score a touchdown. Yeah. Let's go for three. We make it. Right. Fourth now let's 15. go fourth and 15. Right. We make that. We score. We go for yes. three again. You know? So you get nine and nine. If you think about it, 18-point awesome. defi- deficit
0: in the NFL is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you, you've 16 gotten— 16 points is ridiculous. You've gotten hammered, and yet two drives— Two drives, two right drives, two here. scores. You want, you're you're right in it. You, you want to keep people watching. Now that will that will absolutely keep people We're watching. Down 18, but we got a shot. No, no doubt it will keep people watching. I am absolutely from that standpoint. Yeah, I just think from the ten yard line is too easy. What about fifteen? Fifteen, I think I could go with. Okay, fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, I know it's five yards deeper, but I, I just, I, it's a little bit more difficult. I think for the fifty. I just think the ten yard line. You've got ten yards of space in the end zone you got you're at the 10 yard line you got 20 yards of space to work i think that's a that's honestly easy but i think you can do some things and do something quickly you can hit even a spot route right at the goal line i mean there are a lot of different things that you can hit that from the 10 15 to little that's a little dicey
1: i feel like andre would go full get off my lawn guy on both on yeah. both the 4th and 15 and go for 3. But we'll see. Maybe see, I'm, I'm wrong. i more about the 4th and 15 than I
0: am go for 3. Interesting. But where you're more go for 3 as opposed to the 4th and 15. You're probably uh, right. He's probably. But I I don't know. I, I, We need to ask him next time we get him on. I talked
1: myself into the 4th and long as long as it's maybe a little longer. A little bit longer, And yeah. a little deeper in and your own end. And I can go for
0: the go for 3 I could go with if you went to the 15-yard line. Then I could be okay with that. I don't that. like it
1: at the 25, and I don't like it at the 10. While we're on rules. Okay.
0: I know it's college football, but this popped up today that the powers that be in college football are looking looking to shorten the game. Yes. Two rules they're thinking about. One is allowing the clock to run after first downs, which is what the NFL does. Please. Here's another one: allowing the clock to run after incomplete passes. That's ridiculous. Holy smokes! Now, what all game long? Yeah, all game. No,
1: you can't do that. that no, the game will be it. over in two hours.
0: You take the I mean, I would imagine in the final two minutes you could still have your spike and, and do that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, maybe but, they, maybe they change it. I think. Right. No, just have it run. Have it run after first downs, except the final two minutes. That's all you got to do. It's the only change you need to make. Yeah, I think so too. In fact, in the NFL, I'd be willing to say, and I believe Bill O'Brien said he'd be in favor of this too, when he was here and I asked him about this, how about clock stops after first downs? You know, they just till so they set the sticks right in the NFL. That would make the game a lot more exciting. This clock is merciless in the NFL. It's sucker tick, so tick, fast. Tick, tick, tick. Yes. Oh. So to me, that would be a good change for the NFL to adopt. I've always thought that. But in college, yes, have it run after first downs, but keep it as a stop clock after first downs in the final two minutes because if you have the lead, it doesn't matter because you have you to know, take your time and run the play clock. You'll still be able to run the clock down.
0: So here's here's what they have proposed. Four things, apparently. One, prohibiting consecutive timeouts, such as icing kickers. I agree with that. I think the NFL has oh, that. gosh. Number two, no longer extending a first or third quarter for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. That's it's rare that it happens, but, you know, okay. Third proposal the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down except inside of two minutes and a half. Oh,
1: good. Yeah, there it is.
0: Okay. In a more controversial fourth proposal, the clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is
1: spotted for play. That's crazy. So incomplete pass, come spotted, start the clock. Crazy. Crazy. I, I think that's ridiculous. No, that's way too much. That's overcorrection right there. That is really overreacting to the slowness. So, at that point, it
0: doesn't – no, that doesn't mention inside of two minutes. So does that mean you throw an incomplete pass down the stretch – Take the play clock. And down. then also you got to be back at the line of scrimmage to be ready to call a play because the clock's going to start right as soon as the ball is spotted?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Homes, no, no, no. no. no the clock
0: yeah. – wait, you said it runs after incomplete passes. I'm sorry. The clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. So drop back mm-hmm. the throw, incomplete pass – refs come in spot the ball start the clock okay but you got to right. be ready to go i mean if you're two-minute mode i mean i, I get two-minute mode you're two-minute mode you gotta you gotta get all the way back over after the incomplete pass so you throw one deep it's incomplete you gotta run every so, okay so here's where it gets really confusing mm-hmm. you go deep right Guy is like all right i need a i need a i need a blow he comes off the field because you've now changed and substituted. Now the
1: defense has time. And the clock's running. And the clock is running. Yeah, no. There's Can't no way that can happen. Can't do it. Can't do There's it that no way. There's no way you could do that. That's a little too harsh. That's, That's harsh. a little too much of an overcorrection.
0: I think if you went to the NFL rule of uh, first downs, this, mm-hmm. this third one, the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down except inside of two minutes and a half. I, li- I like that. In fact, I wish the, uh, the NFL would do that. I think you could get really uh sexy 2 minute finishes to half into a game if you were able to stop the clock after a first down Absolutely. In the NFL. Oh, my, it I would been, it would be fantastic. I've been
1: begging for this. You would have oh, that would be incredible. The Cowboys would have loved it to cap the 2021 season the way um, their playoff true. game ended, but a lot of games That's end true. that way where you just run out of time. You just you have 30 seconds at the end of the game. You got to get into field goal range, and it's. it I mean, seems like there's enough time, but you got to be flawless to pull that off, right. and there's no margin for error. This would give you some margin for error.
0: I mean, I I, I like – you know how I am about clock management. I love the the coaches, and I love the organizations that can, for 30 minutes or 60 minutes, depending on where you are in a part of the game, whether it's half or, or at the end of the game – like, I go back to the – To Andy Reid and the Chiefs against the Bills in the divisional playoff round in 21. 13 seconds, but they got all three timeouts. They didn't mess around and take a bunch of timeouts for, you know, willy nilly because they couldn't get lined up or they couldn't. It's sort of a reward at the end, like, okay, we're down, but we still have our three timeouts because we've managed the game really well to this point. So catch, timeout, catch, timeout, catch, timeout, kick, field goal to tie it and go to overtime. I mean, that was amazing. It was incredible that they were able to do that. Should a team be rewarded in some sense? This is the, kind of the, the, the other side that I have to kind of get my brain around. Are you rewarding teams in some sense by giving them the opportunity to stop the
1: clock after a first down? Yeah, It is a reward, but it doesn't mean that you've been so incompetent the whole game and now yeah, we're giving yeah, you a yeah. tremendous break. It's yeah. a bit of a break, but that's the whole idea. Of I mean, it. you still got to execute. you got to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, so and I, the timeouts are still valuable because yeah. the clock does start. Yep. It just – how about this one? How many times do you see guys that are not brought down in the NFL? They do get out of bounds, but there's some contact. Right. That's a real – that is a judgment call in a league that's supposed to not have too many when it comes to that. Like, we no longer allow the judgment call of, oh, he would have caught it, but he was right, pushed right. out of bounds. We right. don't allow that, but we allow all the time, well, the guy got a hand on him, and he ran out of bounds, and right. we're gonna What's going to the clock. he going backwards as opposed to going forward? That is – they love that clock to move. Yeah. They enjoy seeing that clock go. It, the thing about it, it's so, it's so
0: tough because – you see mentally as a coach, no matter where you're on the field or up in a box, you see your player head out of bounds and you're thinking, OK, clock stop. Take a breath for a second. Think about what my is going to be. And then right. all of a sudden you see the side judge winding his arm. You're like, get up to the line. Yeah. Go. Get. I mean, right. it's 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 chaos. Um, that's that's a tough one. That's a that's a hard one. Um, I mean, if you get out of bounds to me, if you found a way to get out of bounds, yeah. you
1: got out of bounds stop the clock i do think it's a judgment call sometimes but make it obvious that yeah he was definitely going to get tackled right. in bounds. right if he gets out of bounds he gets out of bounds yeah. usually but you, they don't allow
0: that I, that one's that one's kind of bizarre but i was as i was reading about these rules they said if you incorporated the one about the first downs the clock running with the first downs like in the nfl yeah that an offense would lose five to seven plays per game In college, but they already have so many more plays in college. If you added in that fourth rule about the clock starting once it's spotted after an incomplete pass, you would lose, I think they said another
1: 15 plays. Yeah, that's a lot. You're talking about 20, what? No, that's too much. My goodness. And I know college has a lot more plays than the NFL because of the clock. Yeah. But you have to not overcorrect. And just make it happen for them where the game's a little bit shorter. Because those college games, Johnny, If I'm, it's kind of like the NBA to me sometimes. Mm-hmm. If I'm watching a good college team and they're down two or three scores in the second half, I'm not panicking whatsoever. If there's a whole fourth quarter to play, I'm thinking this thing's going to take an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of time to come
0: back. Okay. Well, since you said the three letters, I'm <clears throat> going there. NBA. Yeah. Two things. One, Mac McClung dunk contest. Did
1: he save it? You know my kid watches this stuff only on social media right right he will not tune in to the broadcast I didn't he either. didn't even know where it was right my kid watches Rockets games not even on 18T sports Network right he'll be upstairs like dad did you see that play that right. you know Jalen Green man I'm like uh, you don't even have the game on right. he's like yeah but it's on social media like 10 minutes later <laughs> I got the highlight you know <laughs> yeah. he's doing his homework but right. it's on right that's how he consumes this stuff yeah in a way yes mm-hmm. but super 70 sports tweeted out one from um what was it It was sometime in the 80s these are the guys participating oh, in the yeah, dunk contest yeah, yeah. and it was dr j michael jordan dominique, dominique Wilson—I yeah. mean, wilkins rather dominique i mean it was so good just to see that photo and who used to participate but like you can't go back i get it uh the in many ways the yes. bottle yeah in I mean, many it's... ways yes i mean it was people are still going to be curious about it yeah. it's not completely dead i did the same thing i waited for it on social media that's what I did. Yeah. I, waited,
0: I, I, don't, I waited for it on social media because I, it was one of those events where it didn't matter to me the result, but if it became transcendent for whatever reason, I could get it on social media. That's exactly what happened. I went to social media, and then the next day, I went to YouTube, and they just had dunk, 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 dunk. And oh, it was yeah. all cut. You watch? I watched the whole thing in ten minutes. Right, because you feel like you don't need to see it right. live on a Saturday
1: night, especially.
0: Here is the other one. Hmm? Now that we're talking about all star game.
1: What do you do? That thing was a joke. No. It, I think it's a joke. People tease the NFL, and I get it, because now the NFL has done away with the game Uh and play flag football, which was actually a lot more interesting than the game because it was competitive, at least. But it's not really NFL football. This is not NBA basketball. We all know it, Mm -hmm. right? It is ridiculous. It's just patty cake. It's let the guys do some great athletic things. I don't know if you can have a real game anymore. I don't know. But the event is such a spectacle it's the mid-season Super Bowl right. for the league. Right. Yet it kind of snuck up on me. It's so interesting now how yeah. everything's so fragmented. I heard uh, Landry and Lopez talking earlier today. And Landry was saying he didn't even know the Daytona 500 was going on. Oh, I didn't
0: either. Yeah, no that's idea. Incre- all right, so yeah. that's
1: incredible to me. That shows me that NASCAR is not marketing properly. You're right. a sports fan; you should get promoted tweets sent your way and promoted social media sent your way. It, it's like the way I feel about the Houston Symphony not letting me know that Led Zeppelin night occurred. <laughs> right? I'm on all these friend, not friend, uh, fan groups for, for Zeppelin yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. And then Kenny Perkins and our, our graphic motion graphics department said, oh, did you see Led Zeppelin night at the symphony? I'm thinking, I would have freaking gone to
2: that. Yeah, I'm yeah, a good yeah.
1: customer for that, yeah. but I got no targeted stuff thrown my way. Digital marketing is important, and the NASCAR people screwed it up over the weekend. Apparently, the NBA did, too, with a lot of <laughs> folks. You got to get to them. You got to promote some tweets and some social media posts. So you, otherwise, people aren't even going to know what's going on. As soon as the Super Bowl was over as soon as it was over
0: the nba should have done something reminding everybody the all star game is on sunday they should have done they they
1: should have gone Ballistic, full out. just full out. NFL's yeah. over. The real seasons st- whatever. I knew but they should have gone all out. I knew it was coming at some point because, like the Rockets last game, and I just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Friday, oh yeah, it's All mm-hmm. Star Weekend, which is weird. All Star Weekend used to be this massive. Thing. It, the buildup was big, and I get it. It's not going to be the same. A lot of things aren't going to be the same. But you know what is even better than ever? The Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the NFL playoffs. This league does things right. Now the Pro Bowl is still a hey. tough. Not to crack i, I don't know what you All-Star, do
0: i think all all-star games have their luster, luster baseball yeah
1: probably the best because you, you can still actually play the sport right, right. the way it's supposed to be right. played in you know for the most part you yeah. can't do it with the pitchers but for the most part you can play it the way you used to play it in the 80s and 70s when it was awesome right. it's not quite as good but it's still something uh that sport lends itself to a better all-star game yeah no doubt all right we have fixed
0: college football we have fixed the nba all-star game We've done all that. Did the AFC South fix itself with the number of changes? We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access. John Harris with Mark Vandermeer. Mark, I wrote an article on uh, Friday about the changes in the AFC. Mm. In the AFC, especially AFC South. Okay. So I went with five key positions. General manager, head coach. O coordinator, D coordinator, quarterback. That's five. There are four teams in division, so there are 20 opportunities. In the AFC South, to those 20 positions, 11 have changed. 11 have changed in the division. So the majority. The uh, majority. 55% of those positions have changed. And if you want to go even further with that, the Jags had zero changes. Ooh. So, in all honesty, eleven of
1: fifteen were changed in Houston, Tennessee, in Indianapolis. All right. So the Texans are the only team to have both coach. Well, no, coach and GM. GM's here. Coach is new, yep. but quarterback is new.
0: Quarterback is new. We Colts would
1: think. new. Presumed quarterback's coach, gonna be new. New quarterback. So they're gonna have new coordinators. Tennessee probably new quarterback and new GM. Right. So, so seemingly all three quarterbacks are going to be changed.
0: Two head coaches were named. That's amazing, though. The three quarterbacks. All the cor- Think about it this way. All the coordinators are different. Minus one. Can you name the only AFC South coordinator outside of Jacksonville that's staying? He outside used- of
1: Jacksonville. He used to be in Houston. Wait. Uh, staying in
0: his spot. Staying in his spot. Year to year. He used oh, to be that's, in Houston. Uh, that's
1: Shane, Shane Bowen. Bowen. That's yeah. right. He's defensive the coordinator. only
0: coordinator that's going to be the same outside of Jacksonville. Because They're in tight. Jacksonville, you've got uh, you got um, uh, Mike Caldwell's defensive coordinator, and you have Press Taylor, who is Zach Taylor's brother, is the offensive coordinator. So he'll stay. Doug Peterson stays. Trent Bauke stays. And Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, will stay. So everybody in Jacksonville. For all these years with all the different changes, Jacksonville seemingly <laughs> seemingly got these five right for, for the time being. But 11-15, over
1: 70% change in the other three teams. Well, we are still very much in the team-building phase here, right? Yep. One right. week from now, we'll right. be at the Combine, right. and we'll be talking about more changes but the free agency period will not have begun yet. And that is going to be the first start of, okay, what are these teams really right, going right, to look like? Right. You know, if you sign if somebody signs Derek Carr, for instance, mm-hmm. well, he's going to play. Right. At least in the early going until a rookie replaces him or maybe he plays forever. I don't know. So I think Carr's got two good years left, at, at least two good years left in him. In the right I guess, situation, I think he's got two good years left in him. The question is, does one of these teams go for him? One of these three teams looking for a quarterback. I say no. Yeah. I don't think Tennessee can afford it. I don't, know how Tennessee aff- I, I don't know how Tennessee affords it. And it doesn't seem like a Colts thing to do based on what they've done the last three years. Right. They're going to go young. I could see
0: Vrabel. Now, this, this always gets kind of tricky because I could see Vrabel saying, okay, there's job security in the NFL. There's nothing guaranteed. But I could see Vrabel kind of looking at the situation going, all right, we just hired Rand. I have a good relationship with him. What's kind of my, my, my status here? I would imagine Tennessee's going to want him around for a while. So at that point, yeah, let's if we need to take a step back, but we find our young quarterback, great, let's go do it. Let's get a younger quarterback. Problem is, they're drafting at 11. And I don't know who wants to trade down to go to number 11 when you're you're not guaranteed getting any quarterback there. They could all be gone by nine because Carolina's sitting at nine, and you obviously know the teams that are above them. You could have all four quarterbacks, be it Young, Stroud, Levis, and Richardson. They could all be gone by nine. I think they think you left could. the bag at
1: 11. They could, but I got a feeling they won't. They won't be gone by 11. Not everybody. Richardson might still be there. Or does somebody reach for Richardson instead of having Levis? Or does Bryce Young really fall? Another picture came out where people were questioning his height. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm so tired
0: of this. <laughs> I'm People so are tired. trying to
1: Zapruder his height. <laughs> I'm
0: so, I'm so tired of his this, man. His measurement day at the oh, combine. We won't
1: see that, will we? That's Twitter not... will blow. It'll be one of those Twitter blow-up
0: moments, man. It will be. It'll be one of those moments. They've they've moved the they've moved the the um, the weigh-ins. I believe they've moved it and changed it a little bit. It used to be where I know we I could go in there. I used to I used to watch it. Guys would oh, walk yeah. out and. You'd see them,
1: you know. They did it in that big hall mm-hmm. that was yep. part of the stadium, yes. and no media was there. No. We could get in there with our team credentials. Right. Exactly. The first time I ever saw that, I thought, this is freaky. Yeah, it is. It is, because they, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's like the Tom Brady picture it that is. everyone knows about. Guys are up there, and they're boxers, basically, and they're weighing them and measuring yeah. them, and they're reading off the numbers, and people are writing it down at the time. People were writing it down, and I thought, this is weird. This I, is weird. Can we just get the information later? I remember when Kyler Murray. Can you Kyler have like a Murray notary public there to authorize that this was the accurate read? It was, it, was one of the, it was one of the
0: mornings we were there, and the quarterbacks were weighing in, and there were interviews going on, and check Twitter. Kyler Murray has measured in at 5'10", and some change. Mm. And it just it broke the internet. I mean, it was amazing just to see that. Kyler Murray is 5'10 and a fourth. I was like, that's it. Just his height. What they think? What did they think it was going to be? I thought, Lord, now nah, I thought it was definitely. I, he's definitely 5'9. Don't give me that. I don't, I don't know what happened. 5'10 and a quarter stretching it. Because they had Ed Oliver at 6'1. <laughs> I'll never forget. I went to Pro Day at University of Houston. And Ed just went straight from. They were all in line. And they were going up and they were getting their height measured. Then they were going over and getting weighed and they were going step A, step B. And Ed just went, I met Oliver and just, just walked right by both. Because nice. at, at the combine, he weighed in, he measured at 290, I think, two eighty five, something like that. I nearly ran into him. He was going on the corner, I was coming around the other corner. We almost ran into each other, and I'm telling you, we were eye to eye. And I'm I'm a shade under six foot. And he just walked right by. <laughs> It's like a yeah, smart move, Ed. Probably, you know, measuring at six foot wasn't going to help you out. But that being said, you get over it because Ed's been dominant with the Bills the last couple of years. So, um, it, when Bryce measures, it's it, both height and, yeah. and weight. Both I height and weight are going to be huge numbers to absolutely. everybody. So there's, so there's, there's your question. Does Bryce Young end up in the AFC South?
1: Yes i think so too somehow he ends up in the afc he ends up in the afc because let's say nobody moves and the texans don't take him they take one of the other quarterbacks Mm and they take will anderson or jalen carter whatever then the colts are going to take one the colts have to take one Mm -hmm. and have to probably i want to say it's probably him but i'll just i'll gamble if it's afc south more likely to happen afc south of the field I'll say FC South since two teams definitely need yeah, one. Yeah. and picking and, a two and four. It, let's say he drops, he he just free falls to eleven. God, I don't see it, which happening, is not man. quite a free fall considering Mahomes free fell to ten. Wow, well, you, I, I, I know I, we don't see it happening. I wasn't
0: but. I wasn't focused on him this morning. I was watching. Al- I was studying Alabama LSU, so I was studying some yeah. prospects from LSU. You just can't help but watch him and go, Did he just do that? Uh, what did, like he had he had against LSU he's backed up he walks up to the line he changes the protection he gets everybody going the right direction so that saves him so then he backs the throw he drops the throw and he's got an over route and he's got a guy clearing out and he he his eyes you can see his helmet look at the guy in the over route like he's open but I want to throw into an open space so he looks back over to where he's thinking about throwing and he waits for the safety to turn his back to go with the corner or to go with the uh, outside route and then he throws it right where the safety was like 10 yards in front of him that's all he needs and i'm like but you could see his head move back and forth so you know what he's thinking he's like i want to throw here but i got to see what space I, so he look back so you see his head kind of go back and forth and you're like he's actually looking to where he can throw it to get his guy open well, well so
1: just one the subject one it's fascinating th- one thing that concerns me about guys who are not tall at mm-hmm. quarterback is the pocket gets so tight in the NFL. Right. It's very crowded. You're in a phone booth all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. A lot of people moving around. Right. And your health is on the line here. Yep. And can you make that kind of read while all that is going on? I'm not saying he doesn't have the mental yeah. aptitude he's, to do it, but can he physically do it? I don't know. I'm just asking because when I see Murray in the pocket, I see that. and I'm thinking, I wonder what he's seeing. I wonder if he's able to see what he needs to see as, instead of like, all right, I yeah, no, get to get No, you're out right.
0: Couch. it's it, you know, There's no doubt. Here's the one thing. Kyler's always been a guy that don't like it, get out. Bryce is going to find a way to manage that pocket. I've seen a number of times where the pocket is just sort of enveloped Bryce, and then all of a sudden he moves to a spot, and he just gets rid of the ball. He's got oh, such a nice. quick release. So he's got that. You know who was absolutely awful when he got enveloped in a pocket? Six-foot-eight Brock Osweiler.
1: Yeah, that's true. So... It It doesn't guarantee anything.
0: No, it doesn't guarantee anything. But Bryce is really good about managing that space and getting to a spot where he can make that throw.
1: And I like guys moving out and stepping out a little bit. I Mm -hmm. just think the game is like that now. Sometimes guys who hang in there and try, I'm going to hang in there and make the throw, but often, hey, they hit their head Mm -hmm. on a helmet. They get rocked somehow. You know, look, it happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, he'll have challenges, no doubt. There are going to be some things he just won't be able to see, but... He manages that space really well such that he'll
1: get himself to a point where he can see. Was, something. didn't Josh Allen get hit trying to make a throw from the pocket? Yeah. Mike Hilton. <clears throat> yeah. Mike Hilton.
0: Mike Mike yeah. Hilton just blitzed him. He was opened up and wow. Right. Mike Hilton, the slot guy just got him. It wasn't on a run. No. It wasn't one of those. Just, bang, yep. Got him. All right, Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Charlie Potter knows Bryce Young. We had him on Friday. We're gonna have him tonight talking about Will Anderson Jr. with DP City. That's next on Texans all access we want to follow a segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Last week, we had Charlie Potter on from 24-7 uh, Alabama, covering Alabama Crimson Tide. To talk about Bryce Young. This week, he joins us to talk about Will Anderson Jr. D.P. City did a great deep slant with Charlie Potter about the edge rusher. Number two in the Harris 100. That's right. Number two. He's been
2: bumped for number one spot. There's Charlie with D.P. What have you thought about Will Anderson and the buzz surrounding him so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks for having me. I, I think with Will, the the buzz around him, I feel like it it really generated his freshman season. He's a guy that came in during the COVID year, so you know, we as reporters aren't really allowed anywhere near the facility. They're trying to be as safe as possible, and the first people they're going to kick out is media, uh, as you probably well know. But um, sure do. <laughs> yeah, even then, it, it was hard to ignore and avoid. The buzz that he was generating as a true freshman uh, in the springtime in Alabama's preseason camp, I was getting texts and calls, just being like, "This guy is insane! Like they can't block him. He's he's going to be very hard to keep off the field." And sure enough, Alabama puts out its depth chart, much to the chagrin of Nick Saban, on that first game week of the season, and there's Will Anderson, top line true freshman as an outside linebacker, and uh, he held on to that spot his entire career, and just was remarkable. You know, he had a unbelievable season in in 2021 whenever he was really comfortable and was the guy on that defensive side of the ball heck as a sophomore he was named a team captain Uh, and I think that says a lot about him as a person and as a player this past year you saw teams really hone in on him and maybe try to take him out of the the game plan or from him you know wreaking havoc in the backfield but he still had uh, an excellent season he had double digit sacks I think nearly 20 tackles for loss. He was near the, the lead or led the sec in both categories. And, you know, he exits Alabama as a guy that is second. And, you know, you, you look at Alabama's or will Anderson's career and think, how can this guy be second in terms of sacks and tackles for loss, but he's behind a guy named Derek Thomas, who just mm. obliterated the stat sheet when he was at Alabama. So, an amazing career. He won every defensive award you can win this past season. He deserved it. And uh, as good of a player as Will Anderson is, he's even, he's an even better person. And I think just with, you know, how his teammates perceive him, the impact that he has, I think that says a lot. And and yeah, wherever he goes, he's, somebody's going to get a special player and he's going to have a long and prosperous career in the NFL.
2: I think one of the most impressive parts of his game is just his ability to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And just in looking at his stats, especially his 2021 stat line, 81 total pressures, 55 quarterback hurries, 11 quarterback hits, and an outstanding 15 sacks on the season. What do you think makes him so effective at getting to the quarterback?
3: It's a good question. I don't think it's just one thing. I think he is a guy that knows how to use his technique and has really worked on that over the course of his career. He knows how to use his hands. He is effective just in being a strong pass rusher and um, kind of bullying his way into the backfield. He, he can do everything. And I think that's something that's progressed over the course of his time at Alabama. You know, he's worked with South Sanceri a lot in, in uh, doing that and then Coleman Hudson this last season. And, yeah, I mean, just to finish your career with your 34-and-a-half sacks is is special. And it is, it's funny that uh, the 2021 season – it, he was just a havoc in the backfield. But you also had the emergence of Dallas Turner, who was a true freshman then, another former five-star recruit at Alabama, kind of emerged in the second half of the season. And Because um, I think teams were starting to focus more on Will and being like, we can't let this guy disrupt our game. And while Dallas kind of emerged and had some good stats, it still didn't stop Will from, from having – uh, remarkable performances in this past year, like I said in the beginning, even more so. Teams tried to stop 31 from just disrupting everything they were doing in the backfield. It didn't work all the time, but his numbers took a little bit of a dip. But uh, I think that also says a lot about the respect he has from opposing offensive coordinators because he is a guy that whenever he gets his his hands on a tackle or you know makes his you know, pass rush move, he's going to be in the backfield and be in the backfield in a hurry because he has a quick first step. And, um, you know, he's, he's a knowledgeable player, so he knows what to do. He knows what the play is, where the play is coming, uh, where the ball is coming. And so, um, yeah, it's, you know, I feel like I'm just reading the almanac or or like the, (laughs) what makes a good pass rusher. But I really think if you to look that up will's picture might be under there because he brings everything to the table and um you know i, I think he's a guy that he's not someone you're going to ask to really drop in coverage a lot i think when alabama did that that was kind of a mistake but you know the times that they send him the times he's only on the scrimmage and you know helping stop the run or getting after the quarterback he's going to be effective and if not he's going to freeze opportunities up for his teammates and he did a lot of that during his time in alabama
2: I was reading somewhere that the one thing holding Will Anderson back from being considered generational talent might be his size. And I feel like we had this discussion with about Bryce Young as well, but 6'4", 243 pounds. How fair is that assessment that that's the one thing holding him back? I mean, is there a concern that he might not put on more weight or that being undersized is somehow holding him back from the stat sheet? Because the stat sheet certainly doesn't reflect it holding him back at all.
3: Yeah, it doesn't. But um, I think he could... He could certainly add some weight. He is leaner when you just look at him. You know, he's an imposing figure. He's a guy that definitely earned the Terminator nickname, but I think he could certainly add some some bulk to his frame. I, I don't know if that's something that teams want him to do. I'm not I'm not saying that. I, I think it's certainly something he could do, though. But, you know, you, you look at the way Alabama's defense has evolved, and I think maybe they're looking to get back to more of the old school approach, is you know, they wanted those leaner, guys on the defensive line to be able to to chase down guys, to be able to get back in the backfield in a hurry and to be able to chase down people in space. And we've seen an evolution on the defensive side of the ball across college football because offenses are so fast and spread out. But I, I think at the next level, he can certainly add some some weight. And uh, I don't think he's a guy that would have any problem with that. And I don't think it would be that much of an issue for him because you know he came in as a, a leaner, even more, lean person. And uh, I think it's a situation where if he's asked to do that again, or even, you know, bulk up to maybe 250, 255, I I don't know if 260 is maybe where they want him, but I think he could do that. And um, I think that at that plane weight, he can still be very effective because um, he's going to be even even stronger, even more powerful, have some more punch behind uh, his pass rushing ability. So um, I, I haven't really heard anybody say anything about his size being an issue, but I could certainly see if if it need be, he could add it and that wouldn't be any kind of problem for him.
2: All right. Any particular performance or moment in your time covering Anderson that really stands out to you?
3: There's a lot, you know. I mean, heck, you think about the the pick six he had early in the season this past year. Honestly, though, when I think of Will, and this is a kind of a, a reporter bias thing, it's kind of just the the snippets, the sound bites he's provided behind the podium because there was a time last year. Where you know Alabama almost lost at Florida. They went on the road and, and lost at Texas AM. And he's a he's a guy. If if he ends up in Houston, you'll you'll know this right away. He always has a smile on his face. You know, whether he wants to speak to reporters or not, he's gonna do it. He's just a, a happy-go-lucky guy, like around the facility when he's not on the field. And um, that obviously changes when he gets on the field. But when that happened, he just the smile kind of vanished and he was all business and he provided some of the best quotes just in terms of, you know, being a leader and kind of getting back to the Alabama standard and stuff. It's, it wasn't that boring. I can promise you that, but.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He jazzed it up. Yeah.
3: yeah, You could tell he was pissed off and it was refreshing because, you know, guys at at Alabama, especially they're, they're robots when it comes to talking to us and we'll just let it fly about how he felt about how guys weren't doing their jobs and how they had to get back to a certain way. And that's, you know, as someone that covers the team on a regular basis, you like to see that and see guys be open. So for me, when I think Will, I just, I think of that. And I think of just what he said to us when he would come up, because I mean, like, like we've talked about, he makes plays all the time, but I think it's that, that charisma is that attitude um, that makes him special. It's what makes players gravitate towards him. It's why he was voted a two-time team captain. So yeah, I think, If he ends up in Houston, Texas fans are going to love him. But I think reporters are going to love him just as much because he's a guy that he's going to speak his mind. And when things aren't going well, he's going to be pissed off about it. And I think that's always just to hear a player be open about that. That's always something that you respect as a reporter.
0: Well, it would be fun to have Will Anderson here in Houston, no doubt about that. Big thanks to Charlie and to DP and to Mark and all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.